We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Libby. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up on a Monday night? Actually, as I just hit this, it became Tuesday. I am Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Rights Podcast. Ole Miss is now one to win away from playing for the national championship. They defeated Arkansas 13-5 to on Monday. Hunter Elliott was terrific after a little bit of an unlucky early start. The offense absolutely dominated Arkansas. Colin Brister joined to discuss, well, what it means where Ole Miss goes from here, how to handle the pitching staff and everything else. You really don't need an introduction at this point. It is all getting real as Ole Miss is inching closer toward securing a national championship. Still a long way to go. Still job not done yet, but the Rebels, it's uh, definitely real after tonight. When you go 2-0 and in the College World Series in this current format, it becomes certainly real. So we got to all that, what it means, and where to go from here. But before we get to that, though, we have an announcement on the Rippy Rights Podcast. Big things happening here. We have a new sponsor joining the Rippy Rights Podcast family. It is MIMS Insurance. Matt MIMS is an insurance, independent insurance agent in Oxford. Ole Miss guy, longtime friend of mine. He wants to help out our listeners find the best insurance rate. Look, everything is expensive right now. Gas prices are rising. Groceries are, are expensive. Everything's expensive right now for a myriad of different reasons. When it comes to insurance, you need to save money. Why spend extra or you kind of wading into a field? Maybe you don't know what you're doing. You don't know where to look. Matt Mims is here to help you find the best insurance rate possible. Just give him a call at 601-218-7854. He will shop your insurance rate or quote through two, 10 different major insurance companies and find you the best deal. He just wants to help you find save as much money as possible. You really can't lose calling Matt Mims and Mims Insurance. I wouldn't refer you to people that I don't trust. Mims is a great guy. He's an Ole Miss God. He is a buddy of mine, and he will absolutely help keep money in your pocket. So do you have a boat, home and auto? Sick, sick brag. Do you have a boat? It's home and auto. 
whatever it is, whatever you need insured, he is going to find it for you and he is going to help you find the best rate possible. And he's based there in Oxford, but he'll hit you Meridian, Vicksburg, Brandon, Ocean Springs, everywhere in between, all over Mississippi. So finding a good insurance rate can be pretty overwhelming. All you got to do is call Matt Mims at 601-218-7854. That is his personal cell phone number. Not going to go to a voicemail, not going to get anything. He's going to answer and he's going to help you out. Tell him I sent you. He'll get you hooked up. He wants to keep money in your pocket and let him handle the hard part for you. All you have to do is call him and save. Happy to have Mims and Mims Insurance and Matt Mims on board the Rippy Rights Podcast family. Again, check him out there. That number is 601-218-7854. Need anything insured, he'll get you hooked up. I'm really pumped to have Mims on board. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, Glad you asked. So the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Need to check these guys out. Skybox has their College World Series package on the site right now. Maybe you're listening as the uh, early games have gotten unfolded on Friday. Don't miss out. Hit their College World Series package. They're crushing it in NASCAR right now. Football season is just around the corner. Got some baseball plays for you as well. Go online. If you're into gambling, you need to use Skybox Sports Picks. You don't want the bookie texting you on Sunday night, Monday morning, asking you to square up, adding to your scaries. You want to be texting the bookie, asking where your supplementary income is coming from. Guess who's going to help you do that more often than your own brain and anyone else in the industry? That's right, Skybox Sports Picks. When you do business with Skybox, it's an investment. You're going to make your money back and then some. They're going to have a picks package to fit your preferred sport and your preferred price range. You can try it for a month, try it for a week, Try it for a day. I'd recommend just getting on the uh, Skybox all year, all access pass. It's going to pay for itself and then some because, again, Skybox is an investment. But check them out. Go find the picks package to hit, uh, that fits your price range. Use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E. Maybe get some merch too. But uh, that promo code will get you 20% off any purchase. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. And lastly, the podcast is brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. You know, you know the drill. Go see Greg. If you're a Rippy Ride subscriber, it's rippyrights.substack.com. Type in your email. Get a free newsletter from me a couple of times a week, writing the uh, Omaha preview right now. And discounted meats. Right now, it's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. That's one hell of a way to kickstart your grilling weekend. Just go in there, show Greg proof of subscription, and he'll get you set up, and then go find your own favorites. Oxford is so lucky to have a place like LB's. Greg wants to make your grilling experience great. Weather's warming up. It's prime grilling season. You need to go trust Greg and LB's to get you something great to throw on the grill. I like the tri-tip, filet burgers, all kinds of delicious cuts there, fresh sausages, seafood, delicious sides. I love the crab stuff, mushrooms, all kinds of great stuff there. If he doesn't have it, he will get it for you because Greg and LB's want to make your grilling experience great. Go check him out. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, here is Colin Brister on Ole Miss's win, this run, the offense's performance, and where the Rebels look from here. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister, Ole Miss is one win away from from a national title. They've defeated Arkansas 13. Hold on, hold on. Appearance, you said that wrong. Let's be very clear. One win away from an appearance. What what, should I say? One win uh, from a national title appearance. Playing for a national title. (laughs) Um, I, that, I may make that just collective laugh, the intro. They, I don't really know what to say about this. They've defeated Arkansas 
13 to 5. We were recording this about a half hour after the game has ended. I hopped on the uh, post-game show with Neil. Check that out. Hand raise, guys, if you want to. But uh, Neil and I probably struggled a bit with the same thing that you and I did that we handed out with that laugh. What do you say at this point? They're just kicking people's asses. They're going to win the national title, aren't they? I think. Well, so, half the people listening to this will probably bristle at that thought and say, oh, these guys, they're getting ahead of themselves. It's not even that. What? Who are you picking them against at this point? Yeah, that's what I think. Like, if you're saying pick me, if I'm just, if I'm, a, if I'm helicoptering this, right, and they're like, hey, pick the team that's actually going to win this, it's like, oh, miss. <laughs> I mean, and look, it could something go horribly wrong and they don't play for the national title. Sure, I've seen a lot of good stuff go wrong for Ole Miss. Uh, but if you just told me, hey, you need to pick the team that's going to win the national title uh, to get a million dollars, well, I'm putting my money on Ole Miss right now. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a great way to surmise it. I just, I mean, and, and anyone who's watched the College World Series and is a college baseball fan is is probably leaning the same way. Not probably, definitely. I don't know what else you need to watch throughout this College World Series. Don't get me wrong, Oklahoma is playing really, really well, but they're on the other side of the bracket, and if it does get to that, it'll be Elliott and Delusia versus whomever Oklahoma has, and I don't really care if it's, you know, I don't know, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'd probably take in Delusia and Elliott and not letting it get to a game three. That's neither here nor there at this current moment. Um, Ole Miss defeats Arkansas 13-5 th- to five in a game that took forever, a game that looked like it might get weird early on, but ended up actually sort of playing out the way I thought it did. We did not do a pod after Ole Miss's opening win over Auburn. Timing didn't work out. I wanted to go see Top Gun. I say that my girlfriend who's endured uh, two extra weeks of baseball. I told her Ole Miss's season was over uh, this Saturday in Hoover. Uh, I was like, uh, good news, we don't have anything till football. And uh, that proved to be a lie. Point being, I did knock one out with Chase early afternoon. So we did not talk after that. But now seems like the time to kind of really kind of take a deep breath if you're talking about this from an Ole Miss perspective, because this is now when it becomes real, right? You win the first game. You have to win the first game just to really give yourself any sort of realistic chance to play for a national championship. And then when you, you know, we're recording this while the post-game stuff is going on, I'd be curious to hear if they've talked about it any differently because now this is when this becomes real. Ole Miss is 2-0 and yeah. through the winner's bracket of their quote-unquote regional on the side. This is now a realistic possibility and is on the precipice of happening. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so here's my thing. Um, you know, it's funny that, that we're here, right, after, after the um, – you know, seasons that they have, barely getting in all that. But at some point, and, and, and I'm here at this point, none of that other crap matters. Like, it doesn't matter that they're the last team in. It doesn't matter that, you know, they went 14 and 16. It doesn't matter that maybe they shouldn't have gotten in over NC State. The reality is this is the baseball team we thought they could be at the entire year. Yes, they're they're hot, and we can, we can call them hot, and they certainly are. But this is the team – that when they were seven and fourteen, were like this. They shouldn't. This it didn't have to be like this. This could be the the, the team that they should be is the team that can win the national title. So uh, on one hand, yeah, they are hot as hell. Um, on the other hand, they're just playing to their potential, and and their potential is good enough to win the national title. If that makes sense. And and I'm not again. I'm not saying they're not hot. They certainly are. But it, on the other hand, they're just playing like they should have been playing for a lot of the year, and it's come at the exact right time. Yeah, you're, that's a great way to put it. I mean, how many times you just said this didn't have to be this way, 
how many times do we say that throughout the season? And you're right. I mean, we, we almost had like a moment. I don't even know if you call it Zen. I'm not smart enough to know like higher power stuff where you just have <laughs> a moment of clarity. But right before we started recording, we were talking about this. It's almost in a weird way. It has come together in the way that most people thought it would, or at least I can't speak for everyone, but us two on this podcast thought it would. The finished product is what we thought it could be. Now, granted, it's the best end and the best version of it, but the way it came to be and the way this machine was constructed was put together in the most ass-backwards way possible that none of us could have drawn up. I'm not a dad yet. Shout out to all the dads out there. Already did the Happy Father's Day podcast. But I imagine if you're not a directions guy and you're trying to put together like a swing set or some sort of toy for your kid, you have the guy that wants to do it by the book and get it right. And that can be frustrating, but you're probably always going to arrive at the correct end result uh, with the right amount of tools, maybe some elbow grease, some YouTubing now. Uh, They didn't really have that back when I was getting basketball goals put together for me. But then you have the guy that thinks he doesn't need the directions. And there's probably a moment in there where I don't know, if we're talking about a basketball hoop, he's, uh, I don't know, somehow drilled the rim into the bottom thing that's supposed to carry the hoop up, and you're like, holy hell, I've just ruined a $900 basketball goal for my son. But then you end up figuring it out. The latter is the Ole Miss team, and I say that long-winded analogy that probably doesn't make any sense. To put it to you to what, like this that we just talked about, this offense that you're seeing now is what we thought it would be. Now, yes, are they hot and are they pe- like peaking? Is this the best version of what we thought this offense could be? I'd say pretty damn close. They just scored 13 runs in a winner's bracket game in the College World Series. They've scored, uh, what, 10 runs in, oh, I don't know, all games, every game but two? No, no, three. three, three uh, four of the seven games they scored 10 runs. They've had 10 hits or more in six of the seven they're applying pressure on good pitchers. They're making good pitchers look human the second and third time through the order. I'm talking Tanner Hall, even uh, Waldrop to a degree. They did just enough against Palmquist. This offense is what it was supposed to be, but it took so long to get there. But now, what were you talking about? This None of this matters before what happened before. If you told me this offense, which is what we thought it would be, and then you paired it with how this pitching staff, how good it actually became, I'd say, yeah, they're going to win the national championship, right? Like. That, that's kind of what this was going in. It was like, okay, this offense is going to be great. Can they pitch it okay enough to get it to Omaha? And now the offense is four months later is finally the version of it that we thought. And then the pitching is way better than we thought it would, but probably not totally outside the realm of the possibility to whereas if we knew all of this in February, it's like, yeah, this team's winning the whole thing. So this all makes sense, I guess is what I'm saying. This is not some <laughs> why not us Cinderella run. This all makes yeah. sense. It's just insane how it came together. Yeah, no, that, like, when you look at – so, the the 2008 Fresno State and the 2016 Coastal Carolina have nothing in common to this Ole Miss run, right? Like you know Ole who Miss does, Uber, Fit brought up a good point to Chase Arizona? 2015 Arizona? Yeah, yeah. yeah, 2015 Virginia. Sorry, I said Arizona. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah, yeah. 2015 Virginia. Um, and, and we said this all year before we kind of pronounced them dead uh, because we're stupid. Um, we said all year, it's like, hey, look, this team's probably not going to host, but there's a team every year that they underwhelm in the regular season and they get in and they just figure it out. And by God, it is Ole Miss this year. Um, but, you know, and, and, and I'll give some credit. Um, I, first off, I think the announcing crew tonight um, was awesome with, with Peterson um, and, and Ravitch and them. 
I thought they did a really, really good job because they don't make Ole Miss into this Cinderella team, right? Like, yeah, they acknowledge that, hey, they didn't play very well and they were the last team in. But at the end of the day, like, this this is an uber, uber talented baseball team. And they mentioned that. So it's like, yeah, they're the, third, they're the last team in at the three seed with the number one pick in the 2023 draft. Um, you know, and a guy like Tim Elko and Kevin Graham on, and Hayden Dunhurst on your team. You know, so it's not this this Cinderella or this little engine that could. It it is a really really well put together baseball team that, um, while it was lighter than we expected, had had finally figured it out, um, and they're three wins away from winning a national title, which is just an absurd statement to say out loud. I mean, we were dumbfounded when we said they're two wins away from Omaha. We were dumbfounded yeah. after the after the Miami win. You said, "Well, now they're three wins away from the College World Series. Now they're three wins away from taking home the trophy." I mean, you're right. It's I thought I, I think that's a good point you make. I think the broadcast. So I, I like Carl Ravitch. I like Eduardo Perez. They're good announcers. They're pros. That their reason they call a ton of Major League Baseball teams. I don't always love the idea of KP and Burke and Tom Hart and Ben McDonald and some of those guys under the ESPN umbrella cover college baseball and uh, call college baseball a year. And then all of a sudden they bring in Ravage and Eduardo Perez for the sure. series. I don't think that makes sense, but they're not bad announcers. That's my, would be my only gripe if we're doing announcer corner here, but you're right. They were dead on in the fact that this is not some Cinderella. Oh my God, how are they here type of thing? Because this is not Kyle Peterson's first rodeo. He's seen this a lot. He's seen 2015 Virginia, right? He knows if you get in the tournament, you get hot, you got a chance. And he knew – he called a couple of Ole Miss's games even when they were struggling. I remember vividly, actually, when DeLucia was, like, in the eighth inning of his outing against Mississippi State, and Peterson was commenting on the crowd. and was like, this feels like a man that is giving a team – that really needs something good to happen to them to spark what is a really talented team. He's providing that to him right now. Now, granted, it didn't happen right in this moment, but Peterson's been kind of been on this the entire year. And so I think you're right. I think that was a good job by them. The only, like, I was talking to this about Chase the other day, just talking to him on the phone. Um, the only, like, way you're – the only, like, storyline that's being propelled as is this team, how are they doing this Cinderella run – it's mostly people that don't cover or watch Ole Miss. It's like you're kind of fringe outside media people. Sure. Maybe it's the Omaha guy. Maybe it's someone else that covers the SEC that, or covers another SEC team. Like that's the only kind of type of questions you're getting from it that way because I think everyone that listens to this podcast, most everyone that covers Ole Miss on the beat, like they know this was could have always could have happened. It's just a weird dynamic because I mean, you called it – you said are we stupid for, or, or for declaring them dead? Were we? They were two two losses away at one point from like almost being mathematically eliminated from earning a bid. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, a little facetious, but yeah. I mean, well, it, I know, it, but like, it's it's like, were we dumb? Like, maybe. <laughs> um, it's insanity, man. Um, and and here's the thing about this lineup, and I knew like I knew it would be like this if it was to be, um, you know what we thought it was, but you don't breathe. Get you don't get to breathe against Garrett Wood. Like, and I'm not picking on Garrett Wood, but that dude just puts up quality at bat after quality at bat. And, oh, the non-hole today hit a ball about 440 feet. Um, you know, and Peyton Chagny has been really good. Dunhurst puts together quality at bats after quality at bats. And the first five are as good as they come in the country. Uh, this offense is scary right now. And, look, it, it could go in the crapper, I guess, but – you don't get a chance to breathe versus this offense right now, and, and it is it is taxing opposing pitching. I mean, 
look at Arkansas today. They could not keep some guy on the mound. They had a dude throwing 99, and they couldn't keep him on the mound. Um, it's the best offense out there in that field. Outside of, I guess you could argue A&M, but as of right now, I'd take Ole Miss's offense over A&M. It's a terrific point. I want to continue on this, but I got a quick sidebar that I think you'll like. So, Harris hit the home run tonight, right? Yes. So, I have a buddy of mine, longtime friend of mine. I lived with him for a year in college. When Calvin Harris puts a helmet on, he looks like a yoked version of my buddy. No offense to my guy out there who knows exactly who he is, but you're not putting up the same bench press as Calvin Harris. in the gym, pal. So throughout the year, he doesn't look like him without a helmet on, but I've been texting him all year because I've been known to be a jackass for sports sometimes. Whenever Harris does something good, I'll just text the guy and be like, hey, good hit, man. And he's kind of played along with the bit. I have the text message to back this up. I will send it to you. I swear to God this is true. This guy listens to the show, so I think he knows exactly who it is. I had already screwed with him when he hit the double down the line. He texted me and said, I'm about to hit a tank here. And literally the next pitch, Harris hit the ball over the fence. <laughs> and that was when it was over, right? Yes, uh, when Harris, hit, Harris hits that ball over the fence. I know Ole Miss Arkansas gets weird, but that wasn't getting weird. That thing was over. Um, and if I declare a game over, buddy, um, it's over. It's, um, man, just, just impressive. Look, I thought Ole Miss would win tonight. I really did, um, just because I thought – well, mainly I didn't think Hunter Elliott was going to lose. Once I was – once I confirmed that Hunter Elliott was in the stadium and was, in fact, throwing his bullpen, I was pretty confident that Ole Miss was going to win. Um, just because, man, that kid doesn't look like a guy that's going to lose right now. And and that's why I think Wednesday is so important because, man, you went on Wednesday and you got a dude on Saturday and a dude on Sunday that I don't really know who's going to beat them right now. You're exactly right. I just want to—I want to stay on this offense piece of it for a second, though, because you thought that you were talking about how there's really not a hole with these guys one through nine, all the way down to guys like Garrett Wood. And I actually wrote this note down. I'm glad you brought this up. Look, Garrett Wood's first start was a regional final game with a berth to a super regional on the line. I, I may have brought this up on the podcast before, I, I, but like I had this like joke and play. Like, how does Garrett Wood get up for a February game next year if he has a COVID year? Like his his first start has come in a regional final and then played a couple games in a super. But you're right, even a guy like that, there's not been a moment this postseason where you've thought, oh, why are they playing Garrett Wood? Or that's what you get for playing a kid that hasn't played up until this point this year. He's not tearing it up and hitting balls gap to gap and hitting it over the fence, but he walks a ton and it's quality at bat and quality at bat. And he definitely looks like he belongs in the moment every time. And that's their nine-hole hitter. I get. I guess he hit eight tonight and Harris hit ninth. But that's a bottom-of-the-order guy. And the first five guys in the order now are just complete nightmares to deal with, if you want to put it frankly. And we've made this point before. But the, if you want to like think about the differences, what's different about this offense, it's, it's not that they're capitalizing on every single opportunity. They're doing it at a much higher clip, right? I mean, hell, I think they're 10 for 26 with runners in scoring position in the College World Series and somewhere close to that clip throughout the postseason. But it's the continuous pressure they're applying. It's the fact that they squandered a couple opportunities early against Tanner Hall, who was probably maybe the best pitcher they faced in this postseason. 
in that game too, right? You had the two on no outs in the first two innings and Ole Miss yeah. didn't get a run across. It's the fact that they didn't go quietly for four frames. Then all of a sudden Tanner Hall's at 79 pitches in the seventh and you're thinking, oh shit, is he going to finish this thing on them? It's the fact that they continued to apply the pressure and then he finally cracked the third time through the order. Palmquist for Miami is not the greatest example, but they at least took advantage of the opportunity. They did the same thing against Gonzalez. It's the continuous pressure they're applying, which was what we thought in the preseason would be their most potent aspect, right? I didn't even think it would necessarily be the long ball, which ended up being their moniker through a bad preseason, or not preseason, non-conference schedule, and then came back to bite them because they couldn't move the runners. I just thought it was the fact of, we made the 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 opposing pitcher. How many times is he going to want to make uh, smoke a cigarette joke? It was the fact that they weren't going to let opponents breathe, and you're now finally seeing that. And granted, it was multiple pitchers tonight, but you definitely saw it against Arkansas. There's just no let up with these guys. They they tax you one through nine at bat after at bat after at bat. The seven hole hitter is a catcher that doesn't swing at bad pitches. The eight hole hitter, whatever you want, wherever you want to place him, wherever shot and yeah, you wherever he is in the order on a given day. Is kind of a resurgent guy who doesn't swing at a ton of bad pitches. And then your nine-hole hitter is now Calvin Harris, and your eight-hole hitter most days is Garrett Wood or vice versa. Like, the, what so, is the hole? So, so the, the, two, the, the tone of this game got set really, really early. I thought, I thought the first inning was critical just because – so think about it like this. What did they do uh, again, too, in the first? Two outs. Well, they well, made something right, out that's of what, That's what I was going to get at. Like, so Ben gets the single, right? And then Gonzalez, uh, I think, rolls over to second, and, and Elko hits the ball semi-hard to short. It wasn't overly, hit overly well. And then Graham gets the single, and you're like, all right, cool, got to run. But the run wasn't the best part of that inning, like the first, the, the, the first run. It was, well, if you're an Arkansas fan, it's like, okay, whatever. We gave up a run, one run, time to beat us. Got to get off the field right here. Hit, hit by pitch, walk, walk. Drew two walks. Now all of a sudden you got that second run. Now they got to change pitchers, and they're going to the bullpen in the first inning. That that's what this good that's what good offenses do. They don't give away at bats because there's two outs and you're not in scoring position. No, you're gonna to have to earn that third out. Um, you know they just keep coming and and they don't let you breathe. I mean it's one through nine, and and what's funny is man they got dudes on the bench that can play. Um, Hayden Leatherwood can play. Ben Pan Cleve can play, and 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 TJ McCants can play. No, he's not had the year he's wanted to have, but he he, he can play. Um, but one through nine, they just they just get after your tail. And man, it's it's fun to watch because if I'm having to get this Ole Miss offense out, first off, if I'm a fan of a team playing Ole Miss, I'm pissed off because I will go I would go look at their stats page and I'd be like, they're this team, they're not that good, and then we can't get them out. And I'm like, what what are we doing? Um but the reality is that the, the, and I'm a big stats guy, the statistical makeup of this team in no way proves what they actually are. Um, and, and from a, from a mindset and from an approach standpoint, it could not be more different on the offensive side um, the past month. I'm glad you went there uh, in terms of the first inning, because I thought that was a crucial moment in the game as well. And this is speaks to what they've done really dating all the way back to that Missouri and LSU series is they've, one made something, quote-unquote, out of nothing. I know they had a runner on third with two outs when uh, Graham hit the single. But you're right, because I don't know if you noticed. I don't want to say it was a mindset change, but my uh, Dave Van Horn elected to go with Morris, the left-hander, that had had decent success against Ole Miss. He overthought that, by the way. He what? He overthought that. 
I think he did too. Well, actually, let's, I, let's sidebar real quick. What do you think went into that? I clearly is because the left um, pitcher thing, but the the Arkansas the Arkansas pitching staff, like their entire situation, is so fascinating to me because when Ole Miss saw them in late April, it was Connor Nolan who had cut was I won't say rounding into form, but was in pretty yeah. good midseason form. Hagen Smith, who was a left hander that actually had pretty good success yeah. in Ole Miss. And then kind of the erratic Jackson Wiggins. And they've now devolved, and I think this is mostly why they got into such a bad way that made us think they were a pretty weak two-seed in the Stillwater Regional. They was Nolan, and then, my God, how are we going to get someone out? And I think that freaked him out a little bit to where he yeah. had a matchup. What, what did you so, think went into that decision? I'll just well, throw it. Well, here's the thing. Okay, so McIntyre had been good for them. Um, he was good in Chapel Hill last weekend. He had, he had had some solid outings. Um, and they started this kid that had one start on the year. Now, granted, it was after their only elimination game in the Stillwater Regional, excuse me, during their elimination game in the Stillwater Regional, the last game. Um, but McIntyre had been good. And I just kind of think, you know, the obvious move would have been to start Will McIntyre there. Um, Hagen Smith had, had been in the rotation for much of the year, but I think they are, and I, I think there's some merit to this, they're, they're more comfortable bringing him out of the bullpen. He, he's been stellar out of the bullpen. He got roughed up at the end of the year as a starter. Um, so, so I understood not starting him, obviously, but McIntyre had been your game two guy um, and, and your game three guy in the Stillwater Regional, but, but he'd been your second most consistent starting pitcher for a month, month and a half. And I just think he went to this matchup thing and was like, hey, well, let's struggle for the left season. And that's fair, but you're putting a kid on the mound that he's doing something that he hasn't had to do a ton this year. He's done it once, and, and he lost it. And, man, when Ole Miss put up those two runs in the first inning and you're having to scramble and go to your bullpen in the first inning, um, you got a real issue. And, and now, you, you know, look, their pitching's okay. Um, they, they got a little lucky tonight. If you're going to lose a baseball game in this situation, you want to lose it like that so you don't blow a whole bunch of pitching. Um, but now your back's against the wall, and you got to win three games. And quite frankly, here's the reality of the situation, right? They, this was their game two plan, okay? They've got to win three games. they got to win three games to make the national title series. Connor Nolan can only pitch in one of those games. And it's so probably they have to Thursday win. if you get to it. Um, I, I, I think I contend it would be Wednesday. Just because really? he threw about 80 – yeah, he threw 80 to 85 pitches. I think they would bring him back on three days. Um, he didn't he, – they didn't tax his arm. He was really, really efficient on Saturday. Um, but I guess my point is that they have to win three games and Connor Nolan can only start one. And this was their performance outside of Connor Nolan today. So, uh, good luck with that, Arkansas. <laughs> that is not what you want to see. But bringing it back to this offense in the first inning before we belabor it too long, you're right. So you had the Elko ground out and you got bench on third. This is how many, th I mean, if you're sitting there listening to this podcast, how many times has Ole Miss had a guy on second and third or first and second or something with two outs? And Ole Miss is now the Vegas favorite to win the national title, by the way. Oh. Ole Miss plus 145, Oklahoma plus 175, Notre Dame plus 800, Arkansas plus 1,000, A&M plus 1,200, and Auburn plus 1,200. I bet you could have gotten some pretty nutty odds on Ole Miss going into the Coral Gables Regional. <laughs> um, but with that yeah. said, how many times throughout this postseason versus the regular season, Ole Miss had – I mean, look, there was a point in the regular season where they'd get a guy on with 
or the, they would get the first two outs of the inning. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go take a piss. Like I got, I got time to go do something because it was either the guy was going to pull one over the fence or they were going to fade out weekly. And then you'd just see the next inning. Like it was such a predictable story in so many ways, but how many times in this postseason has Ole Miss had one or two guys on with two outs and someone puts one in the gap or someone hits a single. And that's exactly what Kevin Graham did. And in terms of this game, I thought you hit it well in saying setting the tone. It absolutely did. Because after that, not that Morris was looking rock solid in terms of his mentality and his mindset and the way he was carrying himself, but my man melted on the mound there after that. He issues a walk to Alderman that wasn't that competitive. He dumped in the strike at 3-1, but the ball four was not even really that close. Chatagne was – I thought it was a four-pitch walk. I guess that fourth one hit him. You're right. Dunhurst walk, and then boom, he's out of the game. Towards Graham rolls over a single, it's nothing, nothing. And honest to God, I think I know the outcome, but who knows where that game goes from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so, so the first inning was huge for me, and, and that makes what um, two games in a row where they've scored in the first inning, three of their last five. Um, yeah, it's it's I think scoring in the first inning is big in Omaha, and and give them a lot of credit they've they've done that in the first two games they put up two runs and gotten off to good starts. Um, really really impressive, man. It's um, it is it is it's I can't really put it into words how kind of astonished I am that this team is going to play in a game to go to the College World Series um, uh, final. It's just, it's just insanity. Um, but but it, it's it's not the most shocking thing I've ever seen when you consider, like, how actually talented. That's why I was so pissed off in April. It's like they are screwing this up because I always thought they had a run in them, but I'd always, I, I kind of thought they dug themselves such a hole that the run wasn't going to matter. Little did I know that, that they did just enough and then the run came. Did you think they could be this good? Like, I thought talking, they could, they could be a national title contender if the pitching held up. But this season is so weird in the sense that they were – they definitely showed a worse side of themselves than I thought was capably possible. Like, when we were – when they were seven and fourteen, and we were talking about, do we continue doing this show every week, or do we kind of just do check-ins? It it boggled my mind how bad, like how how this lineup, pitching aside, could be this bad. So that part, I definitely will concede. I didn't think they could be as bad as they were. Do you think they could be this good? Um, in April, no. Um, in February, I, I, I this is... that's what I'm asking from February, beginning of the year. Yes, I did. I, I so. In February, what I thought was this offense was going to perform exactly like it did for the duration of the year. And I just kind of trusted that Mike Bianco would figure the pitching out. I think, you know, before the year, I thought that they really liked John Gaddis. They really liked Jack Washburn. Um, I thought they would turn those guys into, into solid SEC starters. And now while the names didn't match up with what we figured they would be, uh, yeah, I, I thought Mike Bianco would figure the pitching out. Um, because he always does, and we always will. And I thought this would be the offense for the year. I, I really did. I thought they would perform like this for the entire year. So, yes, in February, I thought they could be this good. It's – I'm running out of ways to, like, frame the question. I hate doing normally ones like this, but I got one more to run by you. Tennessee yeah. was the storyline all year long, right? Mm-hmm. If you got mm-hmm. Pete Hunter Elliott and Pete Dillon Delusia of what they're at now and then what this offense is doing, 
What is the gap, if any, between Ole Miss and Tennessee? Because, um, look, I love dumping on Tennessee as much as the next guy because they all like yeah. at the end of the day, their accomplishments for what? Nothing. Congrats on your SEC tournament championship, and you acted like just total assholes the entire time. But you get my point, right? They were so sure. dominant for stretches of the season. It had people wondering, is yeah. this one of the best teams I've ever seen? What is the difference and how big is the drop-off um, between the peak version of this team and the peak version of them? I don't know, but here's what I'll tell you. Had Tennessee beat Notre Dame in that Super Regional, and Ole Miss was two and zero in their winners in their bracket of the College World Series, and Tennessee was two and zero in their bracket of the College World Series, I wouldn't be scared of Tennessee. No, am I saying like, hey, Ole Miss would have beat? No, I'm not. I'm just saying this. I wouldn't be scared of Tennessee. I think Ole Miss could beat them. Would they? I don't know. But I don't. I'll say this. I don't think they would have swept them like they like they did um, in Oxford that day. Or that weekend, I, I don't. I don't think it would have been two zero Tennessee if the, if they were playing in the College World Series final. I think that's generally where I fall as well. It was that was just a nice first date, first take type hypothetical or undisputed, whatever that stupid ass show that Chip <laughs> Bayless is doing these days that I had to throw out there for the people. Reeling it back into this game for a little bit because like, I don't want to gloss over what happened tonight um, because sure. the. You know, this is such a big picture story or, you know, a postseason run type story. But what they did tonight, this was the biggest baseball game in Ole Miss history, was it not? Yeah, I could argue. Bigger. Chase gave me some uh, crap about they were 1-0 or 2-0 in 1956. Like, oh, God. Yeah, did they have gasoline cars back then? Actually, don't answer that. That's a dumb question. But you get my point. <laughs> Post-color so, TV era. Well, like, I, don't, I don't want to hear it. Okay, uh, I, and you're right. Here's what I'll ask you. In the context of Ole Miss sports, where does this hit? Sports? Yeah, just in general. Um, I'm sure yeah, obviously I, I'm probably short-sighted and just not thinking clearly at 11 o'clock at night in the moment. But this has to be on the Mount Rushmore, right? I, I mean, it's – Well, it's, so, it's, so football, right, is – For the West. Yeah, yeah so the, the LSU game in 03. Um, you can't count you either could, the Alabama games, right? Because they were both in September. Yeah, well, October, but yes. The um, results were big. Don't get me wrong. Those were the biggest yeah, sure, wins sure, sure. results in all this history, but just game right. going But had you lost the game, like, it wasn't that big of a game, if that makes sense. Here's yeah. what I can argue from a football perspective. I could argue that uh, Texas A&M and Mississippi State this year were as important because they got you to a Sugar Bowl. Um, and it's football, and obviously it has a bigger landscape. I understand that. Um, and then Mississippi State in 15 when it got you to a Sugar Bowl. But I think it's top five. I really do. I, I think it is top five as far as um, as far as far meaningful Ole Miss athletic games over the past, what, 20 years or so. Maybe I'm crazy. I mean, what, what do you do with LaSalle? Um, yeah, that's exactly where I was going as well. Like, what do you do with a round of 32 game against LaSalle? Like, Yes, would that have been massive? Don't get me this wrong. Was, well, I mean, this was an elite eight game. Because... And that team was ne- – I hate to do it. Love my guy, Marshall Henderson. That team wasn't winning a national championship. No. But this was a, this was an elite eight game. They cannot finish worse, worse than third in the country. Um, this, this was the equivalent of an elite eight game and one of the major three sports on campus. And, frankly, it's the number two sport on campus, if we're being real. Um I don't know. It's 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 top ten without a shadow of a doubt. I think I could argue top five. I don't know if I'd win that argument, but I'm, I'm somewhere between five and ten is where I'd put it. Definitely the biggest baseball game in Ole Miss history, and yes, 
you know what the crazy part about it is, and I get that they're in Omaha and Ole Miss has only been there one previous time under Mike Bianco, but Chase and I did a podcast for like an hour on Sunday, and we talked through Arkansas's pitching matchups. We talked about Mike being loose and joking about where he – not joking, but like kind of being lighthearted about like where he was going for dinner for Father's Day with his father. They were going to some place that uh, he and Cammy yeah, when Mike was, you know, I, I guess he was a player at LSU or whatever – I say all of that to just point out, like, there was was there ever any talk of, oh, my God, is Ole Miss going to get tight tonight? Did that ever cross your mind? No. It didn't cross well, my mind a single time. And I know so that's that, that narrative. Constant. You know what I mean. They, it's a stage they'd never been on before. And honest to God, I thought my, – my mindset going into this game, you probably shared something similar because we were talking about it. But it was – well, they're probably going to win. But Arkansas is the best offense they've faced probably since Texas A&M. Sure. So, we'll see. But with Elliott on the mound, I think they win. That was literally the only, like, thought process I had about this. Nothing else came into play. Yeah. Speaking of – and you're right, it is the best offense I've ever seen in the postseason. Speaking of, how many earned runs they scored tonight? Arkansas? Yeah. They scored three earned runs because Elliott no. gave the two earned runs and then you had the – was actually, I'd stopped – I started writing and I stopped paying attention. So, like, so they, weren't, they weren't earned, though, because Gonzalez made the error um, – Right, but it was three earned runs total because they ended up scoring five with the two-run homer. Oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I apologize. You're right. Okay. No, no. Yeah, I know what and, you were saying. We were saying two yeah. kind of different I, Well, I, I forgot the homer, quite frankly. I was already celebrating by that point. It screwed um, up two stats I wanted to put out. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah, and, and what sucks about that is, like, Graham – and I'm not mad at Kevin Graham because you lose a ball in the sun that happens, but – you know, that that was counted as an earned run. It frankly shouldn't have been. Because um, it's not an error because no one touched the ball, for those of you wondering right. there, why. Yeah. Like, what do you do about that? Also, as a baseball coach, what do you do about the whole sun thing? You can't get mad at some dude for just – like, I don't know. I feel like the sun's undefeated well, if someone tries to take on the sun. Yeah, it's if it's a one-off, right? If it's a one-off, and Graham's never had issues with it, it's like it's not a big deal. Um, It sucks that it happened and it gave up a run. It could have been an out. It, it, that sucks. Um, if it has, you know, look, there is a correct way to play play that ball in the sun. Um, obviously, with the, with the shade and your cap, your glove, you, you shield their eyes and all that. I get it. Uh, but if it's a one-off, it's not a big deal. If it's, it starts becoming a bigger issue, that's when you have a problem. But, no, in a, in a one-off vacuum like that, it's no big deal. Um, how about Eduardo Perez? I, so, back in the days, they had the little flip-up glasses. What are those called? you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, know what, I, I don't know what they're called, but I know what you're talking about. Me neither, but how realistic is this? You're a baseball coach. Eduardo Perez was, was – I thought this was just a wild thing that no one picked up on because it didn't matter. But saying that you need to start with the sunglasses off and then when the baseball is in midair, throw them back on. Well, I don't know. It's kind that of, seems like a lot going on with a ball up. It does. Game. It does. And, and on one hand, it's like, well, Eduardo was an outfielder in the, in the major leagues. And then yeah, exactly. on the other hand – but, 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 like, hold on. But also, Eduardo was an outfielder in the major leagues. Like he can do things certain other guys can't do. <laughs> you know, like on the surface, major that, was just, that was just so wild to me. I was like, "What is this guy talking about? Does he like change clothes sometimes too before he caught a ball in the outfield? Like, what? What do you mean? Put your glasses back on when the ball's in midair? Anyway, so, not the point. We're so, but as, as someone that played outfield like in high school for every once in a while when I wouldn't catch, I would go play outfield. I and some outfielders are good at this. If I ever lost the ball, like if I ever looked down to find the fence or to, to do something else, if I ever lost the ball, we're done. That ball is going to hit me in the face. So I don't I don't really know how that works. Okay. 
Credit to Kevin Graham for not getting hit in the face by the baseball. But today, once they got after Morris, uh, Hunter Elliott had some bad luck early. You probably shared the same thought as me in terms of how this game might play out. Was I thought when Ole Miss – I initially thought it when Ole Miss got up 4-1. to I was like, okay, Elliott's going to settle in, and four runs is going to make Hunter Elliott somewhat tough to beat. And if they get to that 6-7 range, he's going to be really tough to beat. Arkansas responded with two more – in the bottom of the second, but that all started with the Jacob Gonzalez error. And then when Elko hit the ball a gajillion miles, no, that, that was the one that made it 4-1, excuse me. When you had, what was that in the third? How did they get to six? I, now my brain is just completely much. Oh, it was the Calvin Harris double down the left field line. Yeah. That scored two guys. It scored Wood and Dunhurst. Um, once they got to 6-3 and they got to the third inning, my thought was process was like, cause that game felt like a marathon at that point, but I was like, I guess I need to see a zero, but I just have a hard time believing Hunter Elliott's about to give up five to six runs. I thought he was going to settle in. And what did he do? He retired 12 of the final 16 batters he faced. He got out of that slippery spot in the fourth where he had two on and was it Wallace? No wait, uh, Braden Webb was up. He hit a ball a ton, about 490 feet foul, then gets the fly out. And what does Ole Miss do after that, after Jackson Wiggins had put up a zero? Ole Miss really like, kind of issues their knockout blow with four in the fifth. But I'm getting my head of myself a little bit. I don't know about you. I thought when Ole Miss got into six to three and they'd put a two spot in three innings in a row, I thought, okay, Elliott is going to settle down here. I just didn't think there was much of a world where he was going to blow up and leave that game in the fourth. No, I didn't either. Um, I was kind of wanting them to have somebody lose just in case. But, yeah, no. Um that, that look, the dude is what he is. He's really good, and and I guess you can kind of quit saying he's going to be a star. Kind of already is. He is a he superstar. It, it's a coronation. Yeah, yeah. He's he's earned the little Doug nickname at this point, right? Uh yes. But I almost <laughs> like hate that for him. Like, can can, <laughs> he be, can he be like sleeves Hunter? I don't know what to like. You know what I mean? Like, one, he's not doing himself any favors with the hair, but like, yeah. If this was – think about it. If this was anyone else that didn't look like this way and throw with his left hand, he'd have one of the greatest legacies on his own all the time. And I'm not saying he doesn't already, and I'm not saying the Doug thing overshadows it. I think it's funny. It's just a weird dynamic because he looks so similar to a guy who was so pivotal to a program for three years. And he's, in a lot of ways, in terms of delivering results, every bit is good. I'm not saying he's as good a pitcher as Doug, but in talking about answering the moment – He's been every bit as good. So, uh, yes, you're, you're exactly right. And as far as the guy that you want the ball in the most critical situations. Um, big news here, Ole Miss has cut the jello shot challenge to uh, 65. They're down 65 to Arkansas now. So, definitely in striking territory. And if, if this goes the way I think it is tonight, Ole Miss might take the lead. So, the real tree guy, Tyra Jordan, bought yeah. 900 right before the game. And yeah. A buddy of mine who actually made the rounds on the internet today, uh, he appears to have walked in. Shout out to my guy Skeeter. Uh, his name's Drew. Uh, he looks like Skeeter from the cartoon Doug, so that stuff during college. Um, he bought 50 and I think just rolled out of that place right before the game started. So <laughs> I like Ole Miss's chances to end up winning that at the end. <laughs> yeah, especially if Arkansas gets sent home tomorrow. That one's done. Uh, yes, that is absolutely done. So uh, another reason that Auburn needs to win the game so Ole Miss can win the very important Jello Shot Challenge. But that I mean, my God, talk about one of the greatest marketing ploys of the oh, last. Oh, dude, that thing, those Jello Shots cost like thirty-five cents. 
But but the did you not see this? I can't tell. So Steven Scooch, what, who's the D one guy, the Virginia baseball pitcher? Shot. Steven Shot. Yeah. Shot. He claims I, he, this may have been this may have been him being facetious, but I don't think it was. He acted like he had gotten some numbers from some folks at the bar. Um, we're talking fifty grand in sales on Jello shots, is what he reported today. God. Well, I mean, I guess it's all to be a board. We could do the math, right? Yeah, that's a good day to be a bartender there, right? I think they're four dollars and fifty cents a piece. They are. They are. Yeah. So they, they. That's definitely. I mean, my God. Wait, should should I should I do a story on them when I when I when I go up there on Friday? See sure, about, see I'll do a story on them. How many of these are you going to give me before you have to carry me out of this place? <laughs> I can't uh anyway reeling it back into this game for a bit because I want to hit some big picture stuff but like Hunter we'll stick on Hunter Elliott for a second because we're kind of bouncing around here that kid I, so when he when he got out of the third I think I put out some sort of tweet that was basically like hey like it'll be interesting to see how economical he can be over the next three innings with his pitches because if there's a way he can give Ole Miss six innings that felt like it would be huge and at the time, you got to remember that was a six to three game. And then he had a stressful fourth inning. He gets out of it with a zero, but I believe his pitch count when he left the fourth inning was at 71. And that guy got an out in the seventh inning. I was some mm-hmm. guy I was interacting with on the on Twitter was saying, Hey, if he just gets to the fifth, that might be good enough. And I was like, Yeah, good point. Probably a short-lived thought after that fourth inning. I started looking up stats and starting the writing process just a little bit. And I zoned out for like five hitters. Then all of a sudden I was like, oh, this man's about to get through six with ease. The, the <laughs> way he rebounded, not just from the fact that he gave up 200 runs, but to give Ole Miss length and not, I don't know, give, you know, get one out in the fifth when it's still, I guess at that point, or get, make it to the fifth to where it's not still six to three game and you're relying on your bullpen for five innings and can you put up five zeros somehow or something like that. I thought was absolutely massive for Ole Miss because his ability to give some sort of length allowed Ole Miss to actually set up their pitching for the rest of the week and not have to go to some of the guys they get they would normally go to. And I get it, Mason Nichols and Brandon Johnson pitch, but I don't think that's the same as them pitching in a six to four game. It no, allowed no, them no. to have options, I guess, is what I meant. And I thought that was particularly impressive given that he was at seventy something pitches after four innings. Yeah, no, no, no. It was it was really, really good. And you know, Mason Nichols and, and, and Brandon Johnson, you know, Mike talked about it after the game on the radio. Um, those guys had not pitched in 15 days. They had to pitch today, whether it was close or not. You had to get those guys in the game. I guess if you were down big, you probably don't. Seriously, you had to play tomorrow. But, um, you know, those guys had to get on the mound. And, you know, Brandon Johnson doesn't – saw some people like – and, and I saw some people on Twitter. It was like, you know, uh, that's what happens when you put him in. He gives up a homer. It's like, well – you know, he hasn't pitched in 15 days. I don't really give a dang if he gives up a homer when they're up 13 to three. Um, because I promise you when the game's on the line, he, he's not going to throw just the fastball down the middle and let old buddy hit it into the council bluffs city hall. Um, you know, so, so those guys get in and, and I thought, I thought Mason Nichols was good. Um, and I thought Brandon Johnson's stuff ticked up and it was 95 to 97. So, um, no, it, look, it was as perfect as it could go from a pitching standpoint. It, it, it could not have gone better than that. It almost could not be more set up. Um, you, you could not ask for a better pitching situation than what you're going to have on Wednesday and, and hopefully not, but if you come to this on Thursday. 
We talked a lot about Hunter Elliott's mentality and almost him walking and carrying himself as a freshman, acting like he's annoyed that there's anyone would ever think there's any other result other than the fact that he's just about to shove it up your ass for three hours. That really came into play today, right? Because that's easy to do when things are going well, but things really got squirrely for him and he didn't flinch. And I thought that was the most impressive part of his outing today was the fact that he never really blinked, whether it was the error or the ball in the sun. He, I mean, look, you make, like you said, you make one mistake over the plate and there's a, there's a world where that's like a five, three game Arkansas after three innings. And that kid just never blinked. And I just thought that was uber impressive. And man, did he earn that moment when he walked off the field, when he gave the ball to Nichols and that ovation, because, you know, stuff aside, whatever, he's great in that sense, but his, his toughness and his ability, inability to not let when bad things happen compound, I mean, that's. That's that's the stuff that a couple upperclassmen that pitch for them don't have on that team, and it's it's remarkable to watch as a freshman. Yeah, yeah no, and, and he's gonna be really, really good over the next two years for Ole Miss. He's probably, if Galusha gets drafted really high, he's probably the Friday guy next year. And um, you know, I don't actually know what Galusha draft status is. I was just speaking hypotheticals, but yeah, it's it's impressive. He's he's really, really good, and. You know, a big play tonight that, that kind of gets overlooked because the score was what it was, right? The, I think it was the top of the fourth. He issues the leadoff walk and then, boom, picks the guy off. Um, you know, just any sense of momentum that Arkansas had, it had, you know, it, it just got thwarted, thwarted immediately. Uh, Arkansas never really felt like they were in the game after, after Ole Miss puts up the runs and gets it to 7-3 um, because Hunter Elliott was that good. And, and here's the thing. Because um, I was getting a little frustrated in the first two or three innings. Hunter Elliott didn't have his best stuff. Like, he had the fastball and the changeup was good. He didn't have that curveball the first three or four innings. Um, he just fought his guts out. And, and man, if, if that's what can happen on that stage when you have your B stuff, um, that's really, really, really impressive. And then Ole Miss issues the knockout blow there in the fifth inning with the four-run uh, but the four on fifth. So, the, what did you make of him going to Wiggins there? Because in my mind, and I'm sure this um, is really obvious, but I, in my mind, as erratic as Wiggins has been at times, that's a high velocity arm. That when he's good, he's really good. In my yeah. mind, that was Van Horn going, "Oh shit! Like we can't let this get to eight. Like he, he like, yeah, my best um, to put up three four zeros. So I think they're done with Wiggins as far as the rotation goes. Um, you know, I expect Will McIntyre to get the ball tomorrow. Um, so I think Wiggins at this point, honestly, just for me, um, they kind of treat him like any other bullpen arm, um, you know. And and he uh, obviously has success the first inning with with the high velo, but almost able to get to him when he's having to pitch and disadvantage counts. Um, I swear to God, Calvin Harris, when he got down two, I just closed his eyes and said, "Well, I'm getting 98. Let's see what happens." And he hit it into the Missouri River, um, you know. So so I didn't really make much of Wiggins coming into the game, if I'm honest, just because I don't think they're gonna plan on using him as a starter anytime soon so you didn't think there was a world where if they won they try to get through the Wednesday game with him no I I expected had they won they would have thrown McIntyre on Wednesday and I expect McIntyre will throw tomorrow yeah you're probably right in that sense I just thought not a last ditch hope but I, I don't know for whatever reason when he went to Wiggins because of I don't know like the tantalizing stuff that that guy has at times it's like oh he's he's making I thought with I thought Van Horn maybe saw that Elliott was going to settle down, particularly the way he went, like the way he pitched in the third. And he was like, okay, like we, this probably won't be a shootout. We can't let this get the nine. But maybe, 
Maybe it was just kind of, okay, this is guy is the best of what we have left at this point. And then once Ole Miss had the four-run fifth inning, that game for all intents and purposes over it. Calvin Harris, how about oh, it? Oh, big brain, big brain Dave Van Horn here. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, but this is, this is big brain stuff. Uh, he said Will McIntyre is an option. He might also start the guy that he started again tonight. That would be good if I'm reading this tweet right. He might go with Morris again with the rare back to yeah. back starts. Yes. Uh, Dave Van Horn said Will McIntyre is an option to start against Auburn tomorrow as well as a few other guys. He said Zach Morris, Evan Taylor, and Cole Ramage could all throw as well. I am reading that as Zach Morris might could start. Do they have a starting pitcher? Do they have one? It's not Connor Nolan. Like, what are, what are we doing in Arkansas? How do you not have starting pitching? Well, so that's what I, what I was kind of getting at going into this game. Chase and I talked about this on the Sunday show for quite a while. I did a little bit of prep going into that because, look, I try to watch as much college baseball as possible. But, I mean, you know as well as anyone, it's impossible to, like, actually be sure. tuned in to, you know, all seven SEC series every weekend. And so when they start struggling, you start looking at the numbers, maybe you catch a couple games, and it's like, okay, well, why? apparently after the Ole Miss thing, I thought they were okay on the mound. I was like, yeah, Wiggins is erratic, but, like, he's a pretty decent Sunday guy because he throws hard. And Hagen Smith had had that success against Ole Miss. I was like, you know, if Arkansas hits, they'll be fine. Apparently things have just gone to absolute hell on the mound for them. To answer your question, I know you were being facetious. I'm pretty sure the answer is no. I think it's just – it's Connor Nolan and they figured it out because you think about it. Think about their regional and super regional run. They've scored so many runs. What does it matter who's on the mound? Fair enough. Fair enough. They, uh, yeah, it's when you score a bajillion runs, but the problem is you're not going to score a bajillion runs against this Ole Miss pitching staff. Um, and, and, and that you know, was his kind of mistake today in a way. Yeah, yeah, you're not scoring a bajillion against this Ole Miss pitching staff. Speaking and you're of, also not winning a national title with one starting. No, 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 no. Speaking of, especially now that you're in the loser's bracket, that pitcher is going to have to throw again at some point and not going to be available really for the national title series. Um, Calvin Harris, though, real quick, popped up across okay. my Twitter feed. Never really uh, thought about this. Um, he's an Iowa kid. Yeah, he's from Iowa. So he's yeah, no, he's got a – he's a – apparently was a sick All-State football player. One of our people that works on our equipment at my day job is from Iowa, lives outside the Des Moines area. And, like, I think Calvin Harris was like a high school football and baseball legend. They're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he won state titles as a quarterback in Iowa. I do know that. I think they ran, like, the wing tee or some crazy shit, too. I think it's like, an absolute just bulldozer. Um, so, congrats to my friend Baxter and Calvin Harris. Anyway, um, but he was saying that the, I saw this come across my Twitter. But he's got, like, 100 and 150 friends and family members there. That had to be a yeah. cool moment tonight. Yeah, that's, that. Well, and he was talking about how, like, all his high school friends were in the outfield, and he's in the outfield, so that's got to be kind of cool, too. Oh, I bet that was uh, awesome. I bet they were yeah. all way less sober than he was, but I bet that was incredible. <laughs> uh, speaking of, while we're here, who do you expect to get the ball in game three? That's a great transition. Um, I, I, I let, me, let me preface this, okay? I know who was not charting bitches tonight. That was Derek Oh, I did, actually didn't even notice that. Who Fill me in who was not charting pitches. Derek Diamond was not charting pitches tonight. I don't know if that means anything. I have no idea. I just know he was not charting pitches when I looked over there at the dugout. I'm pretty sure. No, I, he he was standing by Delusia most of the most of the games. So I I did not see him charting pitches. Well, actually, I had just as an important of a note. If you'll humor if humor me for a minute, uh, absolutely, okay. 
just elite ass slapping by Derek Diamond. He was the last guy in that little uh, tunnel that they do. And uh-huh. Harris hit the home run. We just had an absolute incredible butt slap and recoil. There was no grabbing. It was just a nice firm slap. And then he kind of gave the recoil as if he'd hit a brick wall. I don't know if anyone else noticed that out there, but congrats to Derek Diamond for that. I, <laughs> I don't know if that means anything because of I'm clearly I mean, Mike probably. So when they're, when they're starting the game to chart pitches, they don't know what the outcome is going to be, and that changes the pitching. So I don't think sure. that on the – because I've made that mistake before in Hoover. Now that I'm saying that you were going all in thinking that Diamond was or wasn't going to start. But I think when they don't know the starter day before and it's not your typical SEC weekend series, I don't know if that necessarily okay. means a ton. I, I don't, I'm not going to let it affect my answer. Can I answer it two different ways to who I would start versus who I think will start? I've got two different answers, but go ahead. You go first. I think if it's Arkansas, it'll be John Gaddis. I think if it's uh, Auburn, it'll be Jack Washburn. Oh, okay. So I'm going a different way. Cause, well, so you sound like a man that's uh, d- uh, dove into some lefty-righty splits. Well, not, I didn't dive into them, but did you see the approaches in the first two games? Like Arkansas couldn't hit a lefty and Auburn couldn't hit a righty. So Auburn lit up Quinn Matthews, who's a lefty today from Stanford. So I, I, I kind of think they're going to play the matchup there. I, I, I'll put it this way. Do you think it's Derek Diamond? Yes, I do, actually. Um, inside really? of my, okay. so my answer was going to be Jack Washburn, barring some sort of crazy lefty-righty split. As you just outlined kind of from watching it, I had to work during the games today, unfortunately. Um, but I, uh, that was going to be my answer was I think it should be Jack Washburn or John Gaddis, but I think might try to do the Diamond thing and get three innings with him. Can I outline why I think that's the wrong play? Sure. Oh, yeah. I, can, I, I don't figure that will take long. But yeah. No, I don't think it will take long. But, <laughs> look, there is a role for Diamond. Sure. I don't know what it is. I think he's probably been misused. And I don't know whose fault that is. I don't know if it's anyone's fault. I don't know if it's just something that's happened. But I think Mike will probably, because it's not a winner-take-all game and because he's definitely proven to be loyal to Diamond almost to a fault, I do think he will probably try to run Diamond out there. And, look, I get it an idea. It's like, hey, can he get one time through the order and get you three innings? Well, you know, that's like giving the chain smoker a cigarette, a carton of cigarettes. He's not going to stop after a pack or stop after ten. He's not going to be able to help himself. And that's my first argument against it. My second argument against it is you're going to play Arkansas or Auburn, who's going to be in a much worse pitching situation than you. All you – the only thing you really don't need to happen have happen – in the first couple innings of the game is to give up a four or a five spot to where you're down four, nothing or five, one or something to that degree. And you're chasing the game because I think Ole Miss's offense is eventually going to take over and it won't matter a ton who Ole Miss actually pitches in this game. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but with the way this offense has been swinging the bat, I feel pretty confident in that, but I do think it's a different mentality. Not, I'm, not even necessarily with this team, just with baseball in general, you get down five, six, one, or something in the second and third inning, and you're chasing the game from the start. You just think about things differently, and your at bats are different. And so, I would say Diamond is the most likely or most susceptible to allow that to happen because of the inexplicably long leash Mike's gives him. So, I that's long winded, but I would say I'd go Washburn or Gaddis. But why I think it'll be Diamond? Thoughts? Um, yeah, I I do know this, and I'm pretty confident in this. Derek Diamond, and, and you tell me if you agree, uh, Derek Diamond would not have started a game three in Hattiesburg. Is that is that fair? 
Oh, I think that's a hundred percent fair. I don't think there's any shot that that would okay. happen. Do you think this is different because it? Yeah, because it's not a winner take all. Um, I guess my question would be why? Why is it different? If if I if can't he was not, I'm with you. Um, if he was not your best option to win a game to send you to the College World Series or end your season, why is your your best option? And and I guess my reasoning would be this, right? We know who's pitching if this goes to Thursday. So why wouldn't you trot your best option out there on Wednesday? Right. I, I know who's are not The other two in Washburn and Gaddis are not desirable commodities to save for the Thursday game. You know exactly right. who you're going to pitch and probably given, unless things get weird on Wednesday, who's behind him. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. So um, I know who's pitching on Thursday if it comes to it. So my, my thing is pitch whoever you thought was going to be your best option. And I, and I think it would have been uh, Washburn in game three at Southern Miss. I don't know that for a fact. I'm pretty confident it would not have been Derek Diamond. Um, I'm really, really confident in that. I don't know who it would have been. It would have been between Washburn and Gaddis. But, um, yeah, I just – I think I – don't, I don't know how it makes sense in my head that it's not Washburn or Gaddis um, or, I guess, Drew McDaniel, but I'm not really going to include him in there right now. Oh, I mean, talk about guys susceptible to a nice six spot in the second inning. There's, there's – you can't do that, can you? No, I don't think. Um, no, I, I, I really – no. Um, I guess the, the only thing I'll say about Gaddis, um, if, if, you're, if you're not doing the matchup thing, here's what I'll say. Gaddis ain't going to walk, folks. And in that park, I think that matters. Yes. Um, so, I, 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 if, it's, if, you, if you had to say you have to pick a starter right now, irrelevant of matchup, I think my guy would be John Gaddis. I don't disagree with that. And another thing, uh, another thing that Kyle Peterson mentioned on the broadcast, I don't know if you picked up on this. He was talking about tomorrow night. You and I are recording this on a Monday night. So he was talking about Tuesday night. It potentially playing like a completely different ballpark because the wind will be coming yes. from the north versus the south. And I don't know how Mike's not the great – I won't say he's not the greatest weather guy. Mike doesn't like taking questions about weather. I don't know what his interest in meteorology is. But does that play into it at all? Because I thought Kyle Peterson was actually really on it with that to where it's like a lot of the ballpark, particularly the middle parts of the park, played kind of like a coffin corner today. Balls just died out there. It was a graveyard. But if the wind is going to end up going on Tuesday in the direction that Kyle Peterson said it was, he made a pretty good point to where the ball will get over the center fielder's head and we'll get into the gaps and we'll be more likely to get over the fence. I don't know what the wind will be from Wednesday. We could pull up some Omaha weather. I don't know how oh, it's, it's – I'm pretty sure – I actually looked at this. This is how insane I am. Um, yeah, it's – that's what it's – it's about to start blowing out. I'm actually pulling that up now because that is a big deal. Um, if you've ever been to that stadium, that thing howls in to the south. And the wind is supposed to change um, uh, on, on, I guess, Tuesday. Yes, the wind will be blowing out on Tuesday. What about um, Wednesday? This I love this. This is wind corner. I don't even actually know so, how to read this. There are a bunch right. of arrows that I don't know how to read. I'm going to let you take the wheel here. So the Wednesday, it will be blowing to the south. Um, which means it is blowing in. That's it's back only in. five. Yes, um, it's only five. It's southeast, actually, uh, but it's only five miles an hour. I don't figure that'll hamper it too much. Then on Thursday, it would be blowing in. Hopefully, Ole Miss is not playing on Thursday for my emotions. On Friday, uh, blowing back into the south, and then on Saturday, 
excuse me. Yeah, on Saturday, it is blowing into the north. So the championship on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, the wind is blowing to the north. So that means the wind will be blowing out for the national title series if these weather uh, men and weather.com is to be believed. I was about to ask how how reliable could we have the weather community if we have yeah, I don't meteorologists know. out there checking in? How reliable are wind forecasts? Because I always joke about meteorologists just getting able to say whatever they want, and then when something else happens, they can just throw their hands up in the air. Wind seems like the epitome of that, to where I don't think you have a lot of dudes checking in, being like, "Hey, man, you told me the wind was going to be out of the north, and now it's out of the south." I don't think they get that a lot. So, like, how reliable? Well, okay, so well, I'll say this. Um, yeah, I don't know if it is reliable because I'll say this, and this is going to tell how bad I am. Used to when I used to uh, maybe gamble on professional baseball. I don't know if you remember this. You might. Um, they don't give out totals at Wrigley because they have to see what the wind is doing yeah. on, on the day of. They don't give out totals until the day of at Wrigley um, because they need to know what the wind is doing. So I don't feel like it's real reliable uh, four, three or four days out. Okay. So – <laughs> does Mike go out and stick his thumb? Like uh, no, I don't. I don't think licking? Mike gives a dang about the about the uh, wind. I don't think he cares. So, gut gun to your head. Who's throwing the ball? Who's throwing Wednesday? John Gatta. I'll go Washburn. I actually think it's Diamond, but I would go Wash. Actually, I'm I'm about. Can I do half and half? Like I, Washburn, Gatta, <laughs> whatever. Depending on the opponent, I think it should be one of those two. I think they're kind of one and the same in that sense, depending on matchups. So, like, it's kind of those two or Diamond. I think Mike goes with Diamond, but I tend to agree with you where I would prefer it to be Washburn or Gaddis. So, we'll see. I th- it does bring up an interesting point before we end up staying up here till midnight. The Wednesday game is very important. Shocker. College yes. game is important. But it is very, very important if this team has actual national title aspirations. And the reasoning is pretty simple. If you win on Wednesday, you're done. Until Saturday. Uh-huh. And Means I get to go to the zoo on Thursday. Oh, I bet they have a cool zoo. Oh, their I, zoo uh, is dope. So, I've considered myself a big zoo connoisseur. Supposedly, the Fort Worth Zoo. So, I, I'm the Fort Worth, Fort Worth Zoo has a uh, sign that says number one zoo in the country. But can't every zoo just put that out there? Who's yeah. going to question it? Who's going around checking, being like, God, no, actually, so, number four, coaches poll. I've been to the – my zoo eight years ago that zoo was dope it's a so, cool uh, zoo yeah yeah very very cool zoo i need to I, I, I need to be able to go to the omaha zoo on thursday revs we need to we need to make that happen uh, but yeah you're right no uh wednesday's huge for for multiple reasons you don't want to have to play in a one-off game against the university of arkansas against the university of auburn um with the winner going to the national title when you know you're in the driver's seat they're going to have played one more game you don't want that when when obviously they'll be bringing their aces back on a little bit of short rest as you will too but the number two thing is right it's um, setting up your pitching for the national title series. yeah it's the difference between guaranteeing delusia and elliot going one and two versus do you even have delusia which i think the answer is yes but that's a huge contrast I mean, it, it would be on Monday on three days rest. And then, like, what does that look like? Because I think and, – and this may be a dumb opinion, and, and Bianco and Lafferty could – you know, they're never going to listen to this or hear about this, but they could tell me I'm dumb. I think Delusha is a guy that needs rest. I don't think he's the guy that you could ask to go in short bursts over and over again in his stuff. I think his stuff would flatten out. Um, We've seen it happen I, twice. Yeah, I, I kind of think he needs the rest. So I, I don't know if if him will – but I guess here's what I'm saying. It's not even about Delusia at that point. 
Hunter Elliott just threw 100 pitches tonight. Yeah. Are you going to run him back on Saturday on four days rest? Probably you prefer to have it for Sunday. Yeah, and so that's my thing. Now, what I think would happen is, and, and maybe I'm crazy, I don't think Elliott would start on Saturday. I think he would start on Sunday. Who would um, start Saturday? Just, I don't know. It's whoever's available. Um, hey, interesting guys. Just, and maybe I'm crazy. Jack Doherty started games. You give him any thought on Wednesday? Oh, I thought you were going to go even nuttier. But, uh, yeah, no, I give some credence to that. Okay. I'd like to see the matchup a little bit, but he's a, at least someone that stepped on the mound and done that before. I thought you were going to go full nutty and say like Max Chofi or something. No, no, no. Um, I mean, it would be whoever's available as far as, you know, what Diamond and Gattis and Washburn did. Um, but yeah, actually, I think, I think, uh, I think Elliot would go on Sunday in that situation. So that's, that's critical as to why um, you need to win on Wednesday and not have to use Dylan Deutsch on Thursday, right? Yeah, I mean that that that's what makes this Wednesday game so huge. And of course, like the goal is just to get to not just to get, but the goal is to get to the national title series eventually. And it's not the, you know any sort of backbreaking thing if they do not win on Wednesday sure. and lose on Thursday. It's kind of our regional uh, theory, uh, not theory, but the thing we always point out during regional times is like, hey, winner take alls happen all the time. The only difference is here is when the regional you don't have a weekend between it is yeah. you have a gigantic advantage if you kill this thing Wednesday. A gigantic advantage. Because what is the whole thing we talked about throughout this entire postseason is that Ole Miss has not had to address the whole third starter thing yet. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. they did. Diamond did. Well, you do uh, now. Yeah, I was about to say, you do now. But do you really? Like, it's – I'll put it to you this way. Like, I, the better way to put it is probably you don't have to address the third starter thing with your entire season on the line. Right, Diamond started the the regional final game, but if they yeah. lost, there was a tomorrow. And if they lose on Wednesday, there is a tomorrow. They have not had to address that yet. Twitter, in all likelihood, in kind of a weird inverse way, if you lose Wednesday and you win Thursday, in some way, like you're probably going to have to address the third starter thing where it matters a whole hell of a lot more, even yeah. if you get dilution in game three. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, so. Wednesday's important. No other way to put it. You don't want to have to play that game on Thursday and use dilution. That is, that is for dang sure. Um, what was your immediate reaction and just kind of emotional state when, uh, when Brandon Johnson slipped on the mound? It appeared. Um, not good, not not good at all. But when he got up and he like looked at Dunhurst and maybe gave him a thumbs up or I'm good, I was I was okay. Um, I had no issues using him tonight. And and look. I don't know if people noticed, um, Mallets and, and Doherty were getting loose. They were not going to push him, like, to 30 or 35 pitches. But he had to get in. He has to get work and understand. Someone they tweeted that. He has to throw, didn't they? Yeah. Like, someone tweeted that. He's like, he can do that in a bullpen. You're right. Like, that's not a bad point um, at all. But it's it's hard to replicate games, man. It's really, really hard. And, and you know, he's, he's, now he's felt that mound. Now he knows what it feels like. And, it, and I know it's kind of a weird thing, but it is a thing. Um, so I, I had very, very little issue with, with them using him in that spot. Um, Bianco, and, and I, and I kind of agree with him here. He doesn't like using his closure in five and six run games. Um, uh, just cause he says the adrenaline doesn't get pumping and, and guys that, you know, usually do have that adrenaline pumping. I kind of agree with him. So but from that round, Brandon Johnson just hasn't been able to get into games lately. Ole Miss is one win away from playing for a national title. You've followed this for quite a long time. Are you 
I mean, look, it's 1140 at night as we record this. You're probably a little bit tired, but like what's the mental state at this point? So, and and this is, this is crazy. Um, I was a whole lot less nervous today than I was last Sunday in Hattiesburg. Just just a whole lot less nervous. Um, I guess it's just, well, if they lose and look, it's probably not going to be this way from now on because they're so close. But I was like, well, if they lose, it's they're they are in the college world series. But like last Saturday or excuse me, last Sunday, just because of what was riding on the program and kind of all that stuff, I was I was a basket case last Sunday. They were up five to nothing in the ninth, and I'm just like, get them out. Don't let any bullshit happen. And so and and tonight I'm just, you know, I'm pretty chill. So I'm good right now. It'll uh might be different once I get out to uh, Charles Schwab Field and, and see him, you know, play a game to go to the national title series. I've texted a lot of my friends over the last couple of days as all this has unfolded and really even dating back to the Southern Miss series. And, like, sometimes the general sentiment is just like, this is just a disrespect to our childhood. Why is this so easy? Like, <laughs> do you have, have you had the whole mind, like, put your brain in a pretzel of why this has not been taxing at all? Because outside of the Miami game – with well, Conquest, none of this is – they haven't played yeah. a first game in a couple of weeks. Like, this is this is kind of well, – they're destroying people. Arizona was miserable that, that first game. Um, but, yeah, you're right. It's uh, – I just keep, kind of keep waiting for something to go bad, and then it never does. So, I just – I don't know when it – maybe something is going to go bad for me personally. I don't know. Um, but I just keep waiting for, like – the because – the, the, uh, they're playing Arkansas tonight, right? Like Arkansas, where all this crazy crap happens, and I'm just like, oh, they're gonna win the game. They're up thirteen to three. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I just keep waiting for something to go poorly, and, and so freaking far, it is not. And like that to me tonight, like everything else aside, if you're just looking at it from like a big picture, I booked a room. I booked the Airbnb during the game. That that's that's where we're at. I booked a hotel as well. Um, you and I are uh, – you're heading up there. It sounds like a little bit earlier than I am. But um, if I booked a room for the – your boy's rationing vacation days here, as I've outlined because of weddings and a, a, a gajillion other things. But um, I guess this whole quitting my job on a live stream is still up in the air. I will be there this weekend should Ole Miss get there. I've booked all the refundable parts. I've bought the tickets that I can now sell – at, uh, you know, whatever close to face value at the third-party sites, and I've done the hotel. The only thing I haven't done with the flights uh, is the flights, but I'm also coming out of DFW to where you got two airports to choose from. The flights have remained a little bit stable. I imagine everyone and their brother trying to get out of Memphis or Jackson's having a little bit tougher time with that, thoughts and prayers, but that's the only thing I haven't booked. So we're there if they make it to the – I mean, you're going already. You're leaving as we yeah. speak in the morning, right? Yeah, I'm leaving. I'm leaving on Wednesday morning. Uh, I mean, I'm just chilling you by the minute that we're up. You're just going to be a lot more tired. Um, But (laughs) I will be there in the weekend. Should this happen, I I I don't think a live show is in the card. Some guy messaged me on Saturday and was like, "Why are you not on the live show with Neil?" And I was like, "I forgot he was having one." He did. He's usually pretty good about reaching out to me. But like, honestly, I looked around for a second. I was like, "Buddy, I'm in no shape to be on a live show right now either." Like, this is probably (laughs) for the best. (laughs) We will. We'll be there through the weekend. I don't know what the pod schedule will be. We'll do one after, obviously, after the Thursday game, Wednesday game, whatever the case may be. But yeah. after that, it just might be a free-for-all. Maybe we'll do one from jail. <laughs> well, yeah, if they win the national title, we might have to do one from the Omaha Correctional Facility because that might be where I'm at. I told somebody today, by the way, 
Because, um, look, I hate Arkansas baseball. I'm not even going to sit here and lie. I hate Arkansas baseball. That's why I want Auburn to win so badly tomorrow because on Wednesday, if Ole Miss beats Auburn 13-2, to I'll just look at all the Auburn fans and be like, hey, guys, y'all had a great season. Good luck to you. I hope you have safe travels home. Ole Miss puts Arkansas out to go to the national title series. I might just go to jail. That was another thing about tonight, too, is, like, that's a guy in Dave Van Horn, that program, and they've been there and they've done that a couple of times. And Ole Miss just kind of kicked their ass in the stage they've been on. I say yeah. not a ton of those guys, but that program in general. It's like, okay, this is real. And I will close with this. The last – like, I haven't watched the post-game stuff because we started recording afterward. But yeah. don't you think, whether it's in their minds or the way they talk about things, things start to change after tonight in terms of the way they talk and think about the pursuit of a national title, don't you think? This is now when it becomes real. You have to win one game to have a realistic chance yes. of being in the mix. But when There's you a betting do, this favorite. changes. Yeah, exactly. Don't you think this all – from their, I'm not saying it's going to change how they play and the way they carry themselves, but just when they lay their head down on the pillow at night and they're thinking about their chances of winning a national title, this is different than any other place they've been in so far, yeah. is it not? This becomes way yeah. more real. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I thought, I thought it, it got real tonight when they're up ten to three, and it's like, okay, uh, we're nine innings away more than likely from playing for it. Yeah, but it's it's as real as it gets now. It's it's no longer some fabrication um, or some hope or some dream. Um, I think they're going to play for it. That's as far as I'll go right now, but I, 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 I'll ask you, you, I mean, you, you think they win one of these two on Wednesday or Thursday? Yeah, I told you I already booked a flight and bought tickets to get <laughs> Maybe I didn't include the game one and two part, but yes, I did. I will be there for that. Yeah. So, yes, I do. So. Yeah, I, I think they're going to play for a national title. I'll hold off on saying if I think they're going to win it or not. Um, but I think they're going to play for it. And if they have that pitching set up, I think they might win it. <laughs> what an absolutely insane place to be. Ole Miss steamrolls Arkansas 13-5, to and they are now one win away from the national title. He is Colin Brister. I'll let you get some sleep before you make the trek to Omaha. We'll holler at you again soon. And then if we're both in Omaha at the same time, um, there will be no live show, but there could be some 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 good trouble. <laughs> that's a that's a great way to put it. Great way to put it. I will <laughs> uh, we will we will hope you up there. All right, that is our show. If you made us a part of your day, I really appreciate you making it to the end. It's been a hell of a lot of fun doing this podcast all year. Who would have thought we'd be at this point? Um, but I certainly have enjoyed the ride talking baseball with Colin and really all you people um, interacting with the uh, podcast listeners is always one of my favorite parts of uh, doing all of this. And so it feels like it's just one big, great giant family just chatting it up along the way. So appreciate you guys listening. If you're headed to Omaha, be safe um, and enjoy your time there. And uh, we'll catch you on Actually, I don't know. We'll catch you whenever Ole Miss does something significant again. We'll play it by ear. It's play it by ear season. We'll catch you sometime later on in the week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.